0: Back to the short game. A show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by all of my awesome
1: co-hosts:
0: Nate Heininger, Laura Nash, and Shane Kelly. And this is episode 200.
2: We did it! Yeah. We're here. <laughs> 200. I hope
1: you're 200. playing some celebration music underneath us. We've
2: done it. Every podcaster's dream. 200 episodes this is the big one the
0: end of the show we finally completed it when we started this show five years ago i said 200 and that's it and that and we have an announcement to make this is the
2: last episode now that we have our patreon going and we're rich
1: (laughs) then we're done we're
2: retiring the show (laughs) exactly
1: there are no more short games we're done
0: we are done I am so excited that this is episode 200 of the short game. I have to say that, um, I mean, we started this show back in April of 2014, and that seems like a like a hopelessly remote, distant past now, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Like, I can't even imagine what I was like. I was a whole different person in
2: 2014.
0: The world made sense back then.
2: Yeah, it's uh and 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 in reality we've done a bunch of unnumbered episodes that have just sort of like popped in the feed as well, right? So Yeah, we've had knows? some
0: uh, aborted experiments with things like quote-unquote, short episodes" <laughs> or <laughs> other stuff like that where we're like we can do these little one-offs that are not uh part of our numbered episodes and then we were like that was Yeah, wasn't I believe idea. we used the term short game shorties. No, yeah, yeah we get, we've used a few <laughs>
2: That was things. Shane. That was internal only, please. Oh,
0: <laughs> but yeah, like uh, it's been a long, it's been a while, guys. Uh, we've been recording this show for for many years now, and we're officially at two hundred mainline numbered episodes.
1: Yeah, and I invited myself around around episode fourteen. <laughs> so so. We were, I was
2: gonna say we're gonna get to uh, the the biggest change on the show and the biggest improvement on the show. Of course, would be Laura being on on the show. Oh, which- I should have <laughs> been
1: July. Like you can that, That's B- not like a long term (laughs) (laughs)
2: It took years for us to figure out that we needed uh, Laura. Um, No, it was uh, what we were like, yeah, you guessed it on web. It took like like,
1: three months and then I just kept showing up until you guys just made me permanent because I kept inviting myself back.
2: We do record out in an open park, and you just kept walking up to it and just hopping onto every episode that we had. So at, at, one point, at some point, we just had to be like, okay, well, we should have put up a fence, but we didn't. She keeps arriving
1: it. in yep. St. Louis uninvited. If you go back
0: and listen to the early episodes, it's very clear that we were recording in an open park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounded really bad. That is, that is actually the, one of the reasons... That we are recording this episode today. Um, our very first episode of the show, way back in April 2014, was on the game Gone Home, which at the time was about one year old, and um, you know it was already pretty obvious that it was going to be this you know incredibly influential thing. We are going to talk today again about Gone Home uh, before we dive into talking about gone home I just I want to talk more about how much I like you guys and how my god I haven't we really done this show uh, but like yeah I'm, I'm glad that we're uh, returning back to the topic of gone home because you know five plus years six years later uh, after the the release of the game we're um, you know it's still relevant so you know we're returning back to it to record an episode with audio quality and uh, and just sort of practiced mm-hmm. editing and flow that we're just completely lacking
2: back then (laughs) please don't go back and listen to episode one this is this is here to let you not do that (laughs) i don't think they can it's not we have made it We've rendered it unavailable. So uh, unless someone has like an iPod touch out there somewhere that they downloaded the episode <laughs> on. Uh, no, no, they're all available. If you, if you go to uh,
0: to our website, the oh, yeah. all of our past yes. episodes are there. Our CMS, basically the WordPress setup that we use to release episodes, only puts 150 back episodes into the actual feed. So that's why yeah. you can't scroll back in your podcast app and listen to episode one um you know and uh, and thank god <laughs> you mean we have at this point over 50 the short game love the lost
2: tapes
1: yes <laughs> some of them which we re-released
2: yep well yeah i mean that's the mindset behind a lot of our re-released stuff is uh is because it's not easily accessible because frankly 2019 who's going to a website to download a an mp3 file? yeah yeah i I really i would love to look at the download counts on on that and hey if you're out there and you have that's awesome thank you but i have to imagine it's happened very few times probably so but a lot has happened
0: since we started this show uh i mean honestly i did not expect us to still be doing this thing after uh two marriages Three babies being born, multiple moves. I've moved several times. I know you guys have as well. Um, changing jobs, all kinds of changes in circumstances. So if you if you count this podcast as a job, which, you know... Lowest paying job I've ever had in my life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the hourly uh,
1: rate. Actually, I've. Done, I was going to say the hourly rate's the worst, but I've done some theater stuff. That yeah, yeah.
2: Worse. most rewarding though.
0: Absolutely. Yes. But if you were to count this as a job, this is the longest I've ever had a job. I, I've. Uh, I've loved doing this show with you guys over the course of the several
2: years that we've been doing it and all two hundred episodes. So, thank you all of you. Yeah, it's. This has been an absolute pleasure. And if, if you speaking of like the 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 hourly, if you really think about it, if you think of the cost of the games, we I probably would have bought the majority of these games anyway, but maybe not. Uh, if you got, we're we're like negative hourly rate. Mm. Uh, to produce, oh yeah. To, oh, uh, massive. Yeah, but that's not the point, right? And, and actually, that had me.
1: Uh, it better yeah. not be the point, or we yeah. all have some serious life choices. Too. Are you yeah, trying to we, uh,
2: trying to guilt trip yeah. our patrons, <laughs> well,
0: guys? You yeah. don't. Have, you know how much we spend on this thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, but no, but that actually leads me into what I wanted to, to uh, give you an opportunity, Reagan, to, to talk about to uh, answer is you know I think if anyone who listens to the show obviously knows like Reagan's on virtually every episode. Uh, when he's not, we're like, hey, this is one without Reagan. It's gonna be me, Lauren, Shane, or whatever. It's a it's noticeable. Reagan does like all the editing and more or less is like the 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 show runner for the show and was really the brain behind creating it. So I was wondering if you could put yourself back into uh, five year old old five oh no. Five <laughs> <have> year old <laughs> Reagan. Five year old Reagan and then push that uh, however long after it was to five years ago Reagan. What was really the mindset behind creating this show? Why did you want to do this? It's funny because it's changed a lot since then.
0: Way back in 2014, um, I I, so I mean, first of all, I'll be completely honest. Like I love podcasting as a medium. I've always loved podcasts. Uh, I've mentioned this very like rarely on the show, but Shane and I had a podcast when we were in high school that is not out there anymore. Dude, I have tried. Defined.
2: I have tried so hard. You've hinted. I I've I've done, have some I've,
0: MP3 files on my hard drive. You will never hear them. Have, they are have, horrible, embarrassing stuff.
2: I have googled so hard to find Shane what and Reagan's comedy show. podcast. Yeah,
0: but like you know, Shane and I had a podcast on iTunes when that was the like within the first year that that was a, pos- a thing you could possibly do. Um, and yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed doing it. Even though we made seven episodes and folded like a like a like a like a cheap something
2: that folds up. And um <laughs> man you're uh, you've so good is at this. still you've excellent gotten so after good
1: several years it. of practice. Yeah. I've got
2: a lot of practice.
0: I know how to I know how to say this stuff. Um and so anyway, I I've I'd always wanted to do a podcast again and I I, mean, I just love the medium and I love video games and I'd been thinking for probably a couple of years prior to the launch of the short game like if I'm going to do a podcast. It should probably be about video games, but I don't, I need an angle. I need something that will like make this show, like, you know, give this show a through line other than just like rando talks about video games. And eventually I think it was pretty, I think it was specifically gone home that kind of sparked for me that like things are changing that I personally have a, a particular taste for these short video games at the time at the time it felt like that was something that no one was talking about and it it also felt like it was something that like was pretty pretty thin on the ground that there were not a lot of games releasing even though the indie game sort of revolution was maybe like a year or two kind of underway already at that point um it uh it still felt like no one was celebrating games for their brevity and economy of storytelling and, and so on at the time. And um, it felt at the time like this, like novel, like, Oh, I I must be the first person in the world to come up with the idea of, of like specifically curating a list of, and, and talking, you know, talking about the, the great things about specifically short video games. And, um, you know, we had to like, stretch our definition of that quite a bit particularly early on for uh uh, we played a lot of roguelikes yeah kind of grandfathered at that point yeah we still (laughs) do that's a fact i still think that's i i I still object to that that was that was because we we uh we didn't we didn't have enough good short games at the time and i i let uh i let nate lead me astray with uh, (laughs) ftl and it set a precedent that i've never been able to you know to retroactively fix um Mm. (laughs) but uh but yeah, like that was that was what kind of brought it about then, but it's changed a lot over the years. You know, the, the biggest thing that's changed is that like, first of all, like there are a lot more games that fit our thing, right? Like a ton more. Like I, I'd say like almost the majority of games that I hear talked about, are pretty short these days, like under... Well,
1: we also, our tolerance has dropped atrociously for long games. Like, my bar for a game that's more than 12 hours is absurdly high now. Yeah, Like, be Breath of the Wild or get out of here. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's so true. Basically.
1: It's
0: absolutely true. I play one long game a year. It's like a (sighs) thing that I have to pick out with, like, extremely careful precision. I had an 18-hour flight recently, and I was like, oh, good, I'll finally be able to finish uh Fire Emblem 3 Houses and I didn't. No. <laughs> that game is not going to be one flight at all. No. Um, that's changed a lot and and so is sort of the discourse. You know, the um we talked on the show a few times about how every now and then, you know, and it seems like at this point every couple of months some major gaming publication Somebody on staff has a brainwave that says, Hey, did you notice there's a lot of good short games now? Or I prefer short games. And someone and, tried uh, to call them dad
1: games. And I was like, boo. No, oh, yeah. I don't like it. Wait,
0: who said that? Because it's I resemble that remark. <laughs> 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 uh and it's funny to me because sometimes I feel like people uh you know these busy reviewers who are working in the games press, like that's not us, but like uh, you know, these these busy types uh who have to play You know, super long, you know, Ubisoft dot explorers every few weeks in order to you know hold down their nine to five. Uh, of course they like short games. And so they come up with these articles every now and then being like, oh, thank God I did a short game. Now I can actually spend time with my family. And, uh, (laughs) I, uh, you know, I I love those articles. Don't get me wrong, but it's funny. It's, it feels a bit different today. Like it feels like this is a thing, uh, in a way that it didn't back then. And I totally welcome that. So, you know, our niche is now larger and that makes making this show more fun, which is great. We have more stuff to talk about all the time. Um, but it also feels a little bit like a vindication. You know, I feel like, wow, we've been talking about this idea for so long and now everybody else is too. And, uh, you know, and thank God. So that's sort of where I'm at. I kind of want to reflect on what Laura just said there about uh, dad games. <laughs> well, I uh, can't, can't let it go. Convey, I, can't, I can't let that go because I just have to convey something that has happened a couple of times to me, but happened to me uh, literally just last night. Um as I uh, was sitting, hanging out at Coral Sword, uh, playing some playing some Magic: The Gathering, and talking about talking about video games, uh, and I, I sat down across the table playing some Commander with this guy, and uh, over the course of this game, I I found out uh, that we had very different opinions on video games, and. I found out also that he's twenty years old, uh.
1: and I instantly crumbled
0: <laughs> into a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> and the <laughs> environmental storytelling. Yes, <laughs> the um, the the fact of the matter is, uh, without realizing, you know, I, I have gotten to a point where my time is so much more valuable to me than my money, and even just over the course of the last few years, this has become. Just incredibly true, and so uh, I, I think the fact that we have been kind of practicing, finding, and like discerning the the best quality of experience uh, in video games over the last few years has kept me playing video games through a period in my life that otherwise I almost certainly would have given them up because. Having a kid has reduced my, like, available gaming time uh, so drastically. And, you know, I I have other hobbies. Reagan, you're much more of a video game, and always have been, much more of a video game fan than I am. I've always been much more of a tabletop game lover. And being able to maintain both of those as elements of kind of, like, my gaming life has... I really say it comes down to the fact that uh, I have you guys here as part of this games club podcast uh, you know, that focuses on just filling the like barest minimum of the cracks in the sidewalk of my life uh, with cool gaming experiences. (laughs) It's great. And
1: I'll say the same has been for me. I've, I have seen the terrified look in a boss's eyes when I said I have a podcast and they say video game podcast and they're thinking, oh, no, (laughs) she's going to never show up to work. She's going to be playing. I was like, no, no, short. And I have the joke. You guys say games that respect your time. The tagline I used at work was, oh, no, these are games that I will keep my job and still get to play once a week. (laughs) Um, And then they laugh and then they never download the podcast, or they do. Hello, if you're listening, and I used to work for you. (laughs) Um, It's just a very funny way to talk about it work. And honestly, it's made me talk about games more with non-gamers, which is what's really changed. I think I used to be very shy about recommending games because there was such a barrier to entry. It's much easier to talk about a game that is 5, 10 hours with a friend who you know doesn't normally play a game. So I think I've been much more upfront about the fact that i played games even though i've worked in the past and games and i it's always been part of my life i generally didn't suggest it as a you know recommendation of the week to my friends as much so that's been a big change in how i think the podcast has helped me for the better
2: yeah and reagan you talk about like sort of the evolving um Landscape of video games and how things have changed so much, and so that is why I'm excited. I, I think you're absolutely right. I'm excited today to talk about Goose Home.
1: Goose Home, uh, the <laughs> new game.
2: uh, you know, I'm really excited to be able to play that. That joke is only going to last for it's this incredibly moment, incredibly dated time already. Is, <laughs> yeah, I know. So, can yeah, you put this I'm out tomorrow? I'm a big tomorrow? fan of Gone Honk, yeah, yeah, nice. So, put this out tomorrow, or that joke is going to fall. Untitled uh, House, but um, yes, uh, and <laughs> And, and Shane, you talked about the um, sort of like dollars, um, you know, time is more valuable than uh, money. And, and I,
1: I. Oh, I'm told... sorry.
0: I thought you were talking about dollars, Reagan, and my original podcast. <gasps> uh,
1: now you know how to find many... it.
0: Mm, no, you can't. A it's a new, literally not a new online clue. anymore. It was called Dollars, dollars. Dog of Privilege. There I must, think I've seen privil- another clue.
1: A, I thought this was a video project. No,
2: no, mm-hmm. it was all podcasts. I, I might have seen some pictures. Right. I, I have a new clue for my. Um, my search, but uh, so i I definitely agree that you know that I'm looking for things that are more worth my time, right? and so like the 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 games that uh you know you spend sixty dollars and you get a hundred and twenty hours out of you're probably only doing something that's like unique and fun for like five or ten of those hours at the most. I also feel better about where the money is likely going and my time is spent with the games that we play for this show. We definitely have some games that are AAA title and, you know, not that they're undeserving of money, but I I, I love that the games that we tend to play also have a much smaller development team, and I know that a much higher percentage of the money that I am spending on these games is going to go right into the hands of the people that actually made the game and actually spent a lot of their life working on it, Uh, and I don't tend to think about it too much about how much did this game cost because we're also these games are priced so so well right we're we're doing like five dollar ten dollar games sometimes like the most we get to is 20 you know and i think i get as much meaningful time from those games as i do a 60 dollar game totally so
0: i uh, i don't know how much else we really want to Belabor the point of like, hey, this podcast is is fun to do <laughs> and has been great. Yeah, right for for a long time. I really appreciate all of you guys and sticking with me and this. Like, I've I've had a I've had a absolutely wonderful time doing this podcast over the last two hundred episodes and roughly five years. And I will uh, I will see you back here again in four hundred episodes and we'll be saying all the same stuff. Uh, but um, I
2: I just I just love doing this and it's uh, yeah. But at that time, we'll be recording on the moon. Yes, finally. I'm very much looking forward to our mooncast. Oh
0: my god, Skype is gonna crap out so bad. When <laughs> of us is on the moon. No,
2: it's Moon Skype. We moonsky
0: already have enough trouble very... with uh, with time zones, guys. I am not dealing with one of you guys living in space. <laughs>
2: <Not> <laughs> no, we're happening. all no, question. You mis- which of you us is most me. likely to live we're in space? We're all going to the moon. All of us together.
1: Oh, roomies.
2: I have I have a dream. <laughs> Don't take this
0: away from me. <laughs> so thank you to all of my co-hosts. Thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, thank you to all of the patrons on Patreon. Uh, a big change recently on this show is that we have uh, become Patreon supported. And that's been an exciting thing uh, as well. Uh, If you aren't aware, I'll keep this brief. Uh, This show is supported by listeners on Patreon. Um, And uh, if you are interested in supporting this show going into episode 201 and beyond, uh, then you can go to patreon.com slash the short game and you'll find an easy way to support us there. Um, Even the lowest level $1 a month uh, makes a big difference to us. You know, we see every one of those people subscribe. Every time you subscribe, we, we see that message and it warms every one of our hearts and also uh, you get an invite to our Discord, which has been probably my favorite thing about doing the show lately. Um, we have opened up our Discord, which is where we we always have had a chat where we plan episodes. But now that we've opened that up to other folks, uh, it's been a wonderful community. So we're having a really wonderful time there talking about the games that we're playing. Right now, we're talking a lot about IF Comp, uh, which is currently ongoing and we'll be returning to talk more about in our next episode. Um, I have comp is a big thing for us every year, and it's been great to have folks to chat about it with other than just my wonderful co-hosts. Um, but of course, after that, we'll be returning to other great short video game topics. So we want to hear from you there. Please join us on Patreon and also, of course, on Discord. Um, it's a really fun time, and we really like having that, that community with our, uh, with our, uh, our listeners. Uh, and we'll be adding other Patreon perks soon, too. We mentioned in the previous episode that we're going to be adding some patron-only content pretty soon. That's kind of a big uh, big step for us, so we're still sort of working out all of the details of how to create and distribute that, but that's coming along soon, too. So if you like the show,
2: please join us on Patreon. I can't, I can't wait to release some private content Ooh. for our short game patrons. Just you wait. Just gonna be us, just our patrons. It's uh, it's it sounds like a
1: threat.
2: <laughs> it's it's it sounds like it's yeah, gonna be
1: was, really. I think you sexy. trying to be Man, sexy, uh, but it came up I,
2: I was I started. So I started saying it, and then I saw Laura's face, and I got so uncomfortable, and, <laughs> and I just, I just stopped, and it got, it went off. So <laughs> leave it in. No, but, but
1: that's. Nothing like audio. The People have to imagine the facial expression I was possibly making during that sentence.
0: I think we're all picturing it. We're all good. Mm-hmm. So before we dive into talking about the specifics of Gone Home, um, let's talk a little bit about why we're making this our episode 200. I mean, you know, obviously episode 200 is a big milestone. We could talk about anything. We could, we've already spent 20 minutes uh, just, you know, talking about how great we are and how much we love our show. <laughs> but Let's like, do another 20. We could do another 20. We, we really could. But why, why go back to talk about Gone Home?
1: Besides the fact that the audio sucked.
0: Obviously, it was our first episode. So why not come full circle for this, our last episode? <laughs>
1: <laughs> for me personally, I'm really excited because I've never played Gone Home because we kept threatening to do it for milestone episodes and then not doing it. And so I just mm-hmm. never played it waiting for the the magic milestone episode so for me why gone home episode 200 uh finally filling in a gap a shameful gap in my game history but you guys probably have better reasons for that
0: oh no not, not well, better than that that's actually a, a that's actually great you'd never played it before I had played it but I hadn't played it again since we covered it on the show um, I'd thought about it Many, many times because it's a kind of game that comes up a lot in conversation. And, you know, you, I mean, you know, I've, I've thought about Gone Home probably hundreds of times. I mean, it's it's in the
1: canon of game history at this point. And it's a very quick one yeah, to patch if you haven't played. Uh, it's about two hours
0: yeah, it's sort of, I mean, I mentioned it as one of the games that sort of inspired the the sort of theme of this show, um, maybe more than any other game, because it is just two hours, but it is, it had a massive impact on me. And it has been a game I've thought about a lot over the years. And it's, you know, the game is now six years old. And I, I think there's a few ways that it's still relevant. I mean, first of all, it's relevant, because it's a good game. And we'll talk about all the ways in which it's a good game. But it, for one, it encouraged a boom of imitators, but not not as many as I would have expected, actually. This was sort of the first game that got pejoratively called a walking simulator. And later on, that term became kind of a, uh, a dig. And then it also, it's been long enough that first it was a dig and then it became sort of like adopted as a uh, thing that people were totally okay with calling their own games. But this game has had a massive impact on indies that we've enjoyed, like Firewatch or Ethan Carter or, you know, there's 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 a bunch of games that have taken this sort of style of storytelling forward, um, although less than I would have expected. When I first played this, I thought, like, we're going to see 10,000 games do this. And I haven't seen that many
2: games do this over the years. Yeah, I think Firewatch is definitely the big one. Right. And even that is not really the same as i was replaying uh gone home uh, that that struck me as well is there's there are hints of gone home and a whole lot of other games but i feel like not many games have attempted to do so expertly what gone home did which is just like here's an area to explore there, are, there are not really any guide rails. Like you're just the way that people play games is going to kind of guide you along it, uh, and you're going to discover for your own self. There is a a beginning, a middle, and an end, but you're going to kind of find it on your own. I, I don't know. I there was nothing that has been exactly this game, and I think that's more a testament to how good Gone Home is, and not a testament to like its legacy, if that makes sense, or or, or like yeah. the the amount of people that want to like try to do exactly that. I think
0: that the games really forked at this point in Gone Home because it was controversial. This was a game where it stirred people up dramatically uh, such that they were all asking themselves, is this a game? And then you have uh, one fork that just sort of said, well, hell yes, that's a game and we want to make more of it. And that led to games like, I don't know, uh, Virginia, Mm. you know, where they really steer into it or everybody's gone to the rapture, you know, on on the side of like, just sort of pulling into like, sure, exploring a space is a game activity. Exploring a space that tells a story is a great way to tell that story. And then you have other games that kind of steer out of it that like say, okay, well, maybe that's too far. Maybe that's we need to pull back. And there are lots and lots of games that take this sort of style and say, well, maybe we want to pull back a little bit to the Things that inspired this, like a Bioshock, and maybe maybe there's a middle ground there where we can tell our our story, but also present uh, a play mechanic that's going to allow people to keep their uh, trigger fingers and X buttons on their controllers busy while they while they digest our story. So um, I, I think this was kind of an inflection point.
1: So with all this talk about environmental storytelling, it's funny that narrative design has become kind of the, the the thrust point. It's been so many people talking about dialogue, talking about writing and it's not to say that this game doesn't have writing, there's plenty of it but uh, I recently went to go see uh, Marie Fulston who did the Video game exhibition at Victoria and Albert talk about curating the museum and how she like put together the floor plan. And like, did she think it was more important to show a video of hands versus someone playing their live versus someone like looking at a piece of paper? And it's those kind of decisions that were made in this game. And those aren't decisions that video game creators are practiced in. They're more practiced in dialogue, they're more practiced in theater and video and other mediums that are more like video games. So I found it really interesting having just gone to that talk, um, which I can link to in the show notes um, at the NYU Game Center. Just, it, it seems like a muscle that's not practiced that often. To be to be honest, I mean, yeah, you can pick up a Doctor Jitters can, and I, if there's a Doctor Jitters can plushie, I want to own that plushie. <laughs> like, I, I very much want like a secret coin bank that is Doctor Jitters can, even though it added nothing to the story per se. But like. What is pick upable? What can? What is underneath? What do you discover? What is a secret? What feels like a mystery? That's all stuff that feels like um, it's environmental. It's booth design. It's space design. It's physical design that's not necessarily in control of the designer. Like it's not like it's a space that everyone sees. It's a space you have to interact with. It's not. It, it seems like a yeah. less Commonly worked skill.
0: What's sometimes lost in the uh, in the conversation about this game, like this game brought the the phrase environmental storytelling like far forward in the conversation. Obviously, this game did not invent environmental storytelling. People had been using the phrase environmental storytelling for almost ten years before this game came out, but it this sort of propelled that forward as like a central like unassailable tenet of like, this is what people should be, this is one way that video games can tell stories that other mediums can't. Um, And really sort of brought that to the center of the games narrative uh, conversation. Uh, But I think what's sort of lost in that conversation is how sort of important uh, game level design is uh, to this game. Like this game came from uh, uh, you know, uh, Steve Gaynor came off of making Bioshock 2 and the DLC for that, um, the uh, Minerva's Den, uh, DLC, which was, you know, it was Bioshock. It was more Bioshock, but it had a uh, great level design and told a story in a way that isn't too dissimilar from the way that that stories were told here. And then he, you know, did more level design on, on Bioshock Infinite, which, you know, for all its faults, uh, does have great level design in, in places, um, And then he brought that really expert level design and applied it to this domestic setting. Um, And that level design is what guides you through this game. I mean, we're going to get into talking about every little detail about the game, probably. But like the, the thing that stands out to me so much about this game, what surprised me almost going back to it after almost five years was how expertly the game guides you through the space with these sort of traditional level design ideas, the kind of like Disneyland level design ideas of like, here's an important object or important space or a big fixture for you to look at and sort of almost subconsciously guides you through the uh, the space of the house in a way that feels totally up to you, but actually has a kind of a, a forward motion Built into it through the level design, and in some ways, I think that's that's interesting because like that aspect of it, this game has had a massive influence on indie games, an even bigger influence on uh, AAA games, uh, you know, after the fact. Because that's something that you still see in AAA games. You you know, you see this style of storytelling cropping up in uh, in games like Prey and. Uncharted uh, and things like that for years afterwards. Um, this has had a massive, massive impact on the way that games, small games, indies, and even the biggest AAAs try to stage or tell their story through through their spaces.
1: You're going to find crumpled up paper in trash cans in every triple A game. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or, or you walk in a room and there's a desk. And the only light in the room is the lamp on the desk is turned on. So you, as a player, like, yes, you may not go straight to that lamp and you may decide to go left or right or whatever, but most likely that's where you're going to go first. And the genius of this game is that like they play off of, well, there's a lot of genius things about this game, but one of the big things I think to Reagan's point is like, they play off of that so well. It's just like, yeah, I think most people are going to identify this thing and they're going to go this way and and they're going to guide themselves through the game in a way that we want them to. But even if they stray off the path, it's not going to be a huge deal because we've thought about all the different ways that someone could go. Um, but they're probably going to follow this path because we've set up all these like natural markers, like a turned on light, a TV that's been left on, uh, things like that, that just sort of you're incentivized just because that's how people are. Oh, I walk in this room. This TV's on. I'm going to go look at that TV. I'm probably not going to go to the corner until I've, al- until I've looked at what's sitting on the turned on TV. You don't just
0: have a coat hanging in the closet. You know, when you go in the closet, the coat hanging at the center of the closet has an ID badge pinned to it from one of the characters that tells you their job and their photo on the badge tells you how they feel about their job. The the, the design in this game is about drawing your eye to the art and the details and then having those details feed directly back into the story and the characters. And I've
1: played plenty of games where there's too much happening, where people aren't drawing their – I mean, think of any overstuffed movie where they're like, every single frame is telling you something. You're like, yes, but – like what am I supposed to be looking at where it's not quite as clear? This is very clear. And technically there's even an achievement. If you finish the game at one minute, which you can do, you could just run through this game. Once you know the kind of end game state, you can just go straight there, but you're the game and the person playing it knows that's almost a joke. Like you can do it once just to say, Oh, how much did I miss by just jumping to the end? Um,
2: Well, I don't think you would like I don't mean to cut you off, but like that when you finish the game, I think that's brilliant that like technically speaking, there's nothing stopping you from walking in and finishing Mm -hmm. this game in one minute. And I would be very surprised if there's a single person who played this game who did not know that that did anything close to that that did not go through the normal path. Or, or uncover the, the full story as they expect yep. you to.
1: So after this point, slight spoilers if you have, if you want to go in completely blind. We are going to start talking about plot points a little bit now. This
0: episode is about a game that we've covered once already and also is about a game that is um, something like six years old um, and is a pretty important touch point in games. And so spoiler-wise... Um, you know, we're probably going to be a little more fast and loose with this than we would be with another game. And also it's a game where it's very difficult to talk about some of what makes it great without talking about spoilers. So
1: I'll say if I could have gone back in time and not known the next thing we're going to talk about, I would have preferred to play that blind. So it's worth playing if you haven't and you really want to go full blind. But we are going to start talking about plot points
0: yeah, if somehow you have never played this game and know literally zero things about it. Like, for example, about the plot. yeah, about the plot. So yeah. for example, uh Hi Mark. Mark, if you're listening, Mark, uh, our friend at the show, Mark Bramhill, played this game recently and, and told me that uh, he he uh Oh hi Mark he would have played this game much earlier if he had known nice. what type of game it was. Um
1: As would I, but I think I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah. We'll talk about that
0: after. One of the things that I think this game also I wouldn't at all say pioneered, but like it, it did open up more space uh, for games with sort of down-to-earth stories, stories about uh, you know people in the real world, naturalistic stories, and specifically, I think it opened up some space for queer stories in video games. Um, you know, we're going to talk more about the specifics of the story, but like this is a game where a uh, uh, a young girl sort of discovering that she is gay is a really important central part of the story
1: or more like her family discovering she yeah, is gay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: so you're sort of the 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 you're you're coming home and what why is everybody gone and it turns out that in almost every way that central mystery of like why is everybody gone kind of comes back to your sister came out to her family and there there was fallout from that. Um Specifically, that like I don't think we would have seen a life is strange without gone home. We wouldn't be seeing games like, um, I mean, maybe we would. These things happen on their own, but like this sort of open space for things like, uh, you know, for all its potential. I haven't even played the game yet; no one has. But the for all its potential faults, something like Last of Us Two, having a uh, main character in a massive AAA game being a gay woman who is that is central to the story, apparently, from what we're able to tell. And there you know that's not some side part of the game that is that is a totally out there in the first reveal trailer part of the of the thing. Like this is somewhat of a pioneering thing. This was something we didn't see very much back in twenty fourteen or thirteen this. Game So now that we've had approximately forty minutes of preamble, let's talk about the, the specifics of like what Gone Home is as a game and how uh, how it works and why it works. Um, Gone Home is a exploration-oriented first-person adventure game. That's the best the best I'm able to uh, to describe it. Uh, the, de- the official description of the game, which I think is s- still stands up as pretty good, June 7th, 1995, 1.15am, 1 you arrive home after a year abroad. You expect your family to greet you, but the house is empty. Something's not right. Where is everyone? And what happened here? Gone Home is an interactive exploration simulator. Okay, maybe that's better. Uh, Interrogate every detail of a seemingly normal house to discover the story of the people who live there. Open any drawer and door. Pick up objects and examine them to discover clues. Uncover the events of one family's lives by investigating what they've left behind. Go home again.
1: I question the use of seemingly normal house because I have never been in a foyer that big. Yeah.
2: Oh, man. Yeah. There's so many things that like upon replaying that I was thinking about uh, with the setup of this game because I was thinking, okay, so I'm a college student. I get home at, you know, 115. I'm expecting my parents to be there and they're not. I would probably just go sit on the couch and watch TV and be like,
1: ah, they're probably out. And I feel just, like I would go to bed. Uh, I'd assume my sister snuck yeah. out. I mean, there's a note on the door, but I would probably, like, if I'm a selfish person who just got off an international flight at 1 a.m., oh, I'm yeah. probably exhausted, and I'm just going to go pass out. Take a shower. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Instead, you proceed. Instead, I start Instead rifling through pre-
1: every single drawer. I mean, true, the note on the door is... is is a little scary. Yeah,
2: but I don't know if I'm going into every room of the house, opening every drawer and reading every loose piece of paper that I can find.
0: And that is why you'll never discover your family.
2: <laughs> I mean. <laughs> At that point. I, I also, it made me think like if I vanished, could someone go around my house and just like piece together like who I am by all of the like, random writings that i have I'm like no i i don't know no, I, it
0: would all be on your phone now
2: I, yeah i guess it's 1995 right you had to like everything was documented though i do have much like the father in this game i do have a uh a a board on my wall where i just thumbtack conspiracy theories <laughs> to it um you know what if jfk was not jfk has anyone thought about that I have, I have, that's why it's on my thumbtack (laughs) board. And I'm just glad to see it represented. I really saw myself
0: in this game too. Uh, Yeah. So specifically, there are some things about that, that set up that, that allay some of those bizarre elements. You know, one is that this is not her family home from before she left. While she was away in Europe for the year, her family moved into this house, which her father inherited from yeah. Uncle Oscar, from Weird Uncle Oscar. And this is the Psycho House, presumably some I, – I forget exactly what the details are there. Somebody committed some kind of crime or something? Yeah.
1: Uncle Oscar uh, was yeah, Psycho. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uncle Oscar was Psycho or is known as a weirdo. And the house is considered the Psycho House by all of the, the people in town. Um, And, you know, when you come home, well, you see this mysterious – note on your door. And you're now f- confronted with this unfamiliar house that's dark and full of stuff. And also presumably uh, the room where you're you're supposed to sleep, not set up. So <laughs> <laughs> better stay up, I guess, until, uh, until it's time.
1: I mean, also you're sister in the vein of every dramatic teen ever has left increasingly cryptic notes around the house for you (laughs) so you yeah which would probably keep me up if i again if i hadn't just passed go and gone to sleep on the first available couch which I would because that's
2: yeah which i for sure would have i did i do appreciate the elaborateness of the sister's uh notes and where they're placed So once you've had the chance to, like, you know, you, you you find the key
0: underneath good old Christmas duck and you make it inside the house, um, the game is clearly sort of leading you. Um, we, we've talked about this a little bit, but, like, the, the game has a path that it in, intends for you to take. You know, first, you kind of check out the west wing of the house, um, and then you kind of loop back through. And by by exploring there, you can unlock other wings. You can unlock... Parts of the second floor, you can unlock the basement finally towards the end. Um, And all the while, as you're exploring the house, you're Examining every object. So this was another thing that was particularly unusual about the game at the time. Um, is that almost every object that you can see is something that you can pick up and examine. And I'd say probably less than 10% of those things in the house are specifically related to the story. You know, you can pick up that can of the Dr. Pepper knockoff and turn it over and see the, the specific art assets that the uh the team at Fulbright had to create to uh give you a convincing Dr. Pepper knockoff and that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Then you, you know, if you're playing like me, then
2: you drop it in the middle of the floor uh, for presumably your mom to pick up later. Yeah. Yeah. I did the same. And it was more like a strategic thing. Like, so if I pick something up and I look at it and I thought it was nothing, I would just throw it Mm -hmm. on the floor and that would, and that would help me keep track of like where (laughs) I've been and what I've looked at. But it was also like, man, I am just getting home from this trip. And I am just, Wrecking this place. I, I can't, I don't know where anyone's at. So I'm going to open every drawer and I'm going to throw everything on the ground until I find where my family
1: And I is. loved that there is a note like, turn off the lights. You're as bad as your sister. And I was like, I have left every single light of this house on. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, yeah.
2: everything. Everything's on. Everything's open. Everything's on the floor. <laughs> yep. I will. I will yep. figure this out. We sent her off to Europe,
0: thinking we'd finally have some peace, but the human tornado has returned
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: again. Spoiler: Your parents are going to get back and be really pissed. Yet
0: another reason to feel bad for yeah. the mom. Yeah, and the the level design sort of very masterfully re- leads you through the place, uh, exploring the story at your own pace. I don't think we need to talk about specific rooms, really, or I mean, you know, we could talk about specific objects or notes or what have you, if anybody's interested in doing that, but. I'm just sort of interested in talking about like the, the, the story itself and, and how that story is kind of related. Um, anybody have any specific moments that you want to talk about any specific, um, items or, or I, I don't know if you want to call them audio logs in this, but the, the sort of, uh, uh, monologue diary entries yeah. that, that get read to you apparently, uh, accord- occasionally anybody have anything in particular you want to call out?
1: Uh, I definitely want to call out the two reproductive system worksheets. Ah. Um, the fact that there are two of them. So early in the game, you find this, um, worksheet that is on the, you know, reorder the sentences for the menstrual cycle. And it turns out that, uh, Sam has written a detailed two page story where she does sprinkle in everything about the menstrual cycle, but it's mostly about like revolutionaries on a train getting bombed during the um, Holocaust,
0: I think during go, the Holocaust. Go to a concentration camp at the end
1: exactly but then in the basement at the towards the middle of the game middle end you end up seeing your own version of the story where you were got a check plus because you just put them in the right order because you're a good normal normie student also also related to menstrual there are tampons only in Sam's bathroom and i was like correct good job game for putting tampons in the bathroom <laughs>
0: there are so many little objects like that. Like it really does feel lived in and um, they, it really sort of feels like they like spent a while walking through a house and just making a list of every single object you could possibly encounter in one of these houses and, and every single thing. So much loose paper. And yeah, the paper, like my God, well, this is the ninth, this (laughs) This is 1995. There's (laughs) no computer in this house. Everything is written down somewhere, but um, yeah, so much paper to read. (laughs) Yeah, The thing that, really carries you through is that each room is really dedicated to a different character or set of rooms. Um, You're, you're spending time with these people by spending time in their space. Uh, But it also kind of tells you something about these characters being pushed away from each other because they're not spending their time together in a common room. You know, the, the dad is spending his time in his like office or in the study or in the library and you're learning about him like by seeing his writing and you're learning about him by seeing all of his empty bottles and, uh, you know, his boxes and boxes of unsold books. I mean, this is a house that's full of boxes of things. It feels like they've lived here forever, but, you know, some in some ways they still haven't fully moved in or maybe are in the process of moving out um, or both. Uh, and, and, like, the, the mother, like, she seems like she's mainly living, like, in, like, the kitchen and, I want to say, like, the garden shed area. And at work. Yeah, and at work. She's got this incredibly long commute, and it seems like everything everything you find about her is about her work life. She's clearly out of the house, more dedicated or more, more interested in what's going on with her work than with her apparently uh, maybe depressed and almost... Definitely alcoholic husband who's maybe distant or something. Yeah, but she's got her art studio, you know. She's she's looking for a, she's looking for a way to like express herself. And then Sam is everywhere else in the house.
1: But like in the walls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam's got a pretty low profile. And I, I think my favorite objects of Sam's were in a lot of her hidden spaces. Like you can open up uh one of the lockers and you notice that all the clothing in there has shoplifter tags and oh my god God. good Um, good
2: call yeah, good. which is one of
1: my favorite moments it's not even it's it's not there's no attention paid to it just there's two or three pieces of clothing on there and if you stare it looks almost like they're tags or just notes but if you zoom in they're shoplifter tags and it's those kind of moments that like Sam is living in the fringes of the house and it seems like she has been for a while like her stuff's in the crawl spaces and lockers and her room and she's left tapes everywhere but like her family uh-huh. kind of controls like a lot of the space. And then
0: y- there's there's this deeper history to the house itself because like th- there's all of these people who are currently living there, but then there's uh like the weird uncle that they mm-hmm. inherited the, the house after. from. And you yeah, and you and you can learn about how he like inexplicably sold his pharmacy business at one point and then just like moved into the house and died <laughs> uh, alone. His is probably you know, the most there. difficult to uncover story in, in the whole thing. Um, do we want to talk about like, I mean, we don't really need to go into every detail, but do we want to talk about like the specifics of like everyone's stories and how, what, what we sort of gleaned from the objects we found or how we interpreted them? I, I would, we could, we could sure. start with, uh, with uncle Oscar, if we want um, his is the hardest story to uncover. Um, because it's sort of buried deeply, right? You know, o- you only really find anything related. There's, to a, there's like the 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 kind of semi-public story for him, and then the more or less hidden story for him. And which is, presumable
1: had, if you get that safe open, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. So like the 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 more or less public story for him is like he quit he quit his job at the pharmacy maybe because he was addicted to opiates, um, and and that is like. Uh, there's a letter that you find that says like you know he's trying to get away from temptation there. But then there's also like an, uh, I think a theory that I think is substantiated in the game if you've dug up enough that and I, I don't I don't think I ever actually got the safe open, but did anyone get a safe, o- safe open? because I think there's another potential theory if you get the safe, o- safe open. Yes. so I, I didn't actually in this current playthrough, but I did in my previous one um, way back. Um, and yeah, so there's this sort of, first of all, you find, a, you find some notes about Uncle Oscar giving or, you know, willing the house to Terence, the father. Um, and it's, uh, there's some cryptic stuff about that. And, you know, it's unclear why um, he's, uh, he's willing his house to his nephew. Um, and some of it, seems like he's doing it as an apology for something implied in in those letters that you can find up in the the, the father's office um, when you dig into the basement um, there are there are things in the in the safe and in some of the other letters and so on to imply that the uh, that Oscar abused Terence in some way it's it's never really clear specifically how but then it's also, Really, ob- So it's, it's also clear that this happened in 1963, the same year that JFK was killed, and it seems like that had a massive weird impact on Terrence, um, and, which you can kind of see in the fiction that he writes. So a, a lot of his uh, work is about going back in time um, to 1963 to rescue President uh, John F. Kennedy. Um, or, you know, do other, so this, this idea of like traveling back to the past specifically to the year that he was apparently like 12 years old and was abused, um, is very important, uh, in his, in his mind. Um, and it also mentions it sometimes when like he's he's kind of a washed up author. He wrote two books, um, but they didn't sell particularly well. And, um, he's making his living uh, writing like stereo reviews. And you can find a letter from his publisher who, uh, who publishes the stereo review magazine saying that, you know, he's spending too much time in his reviews, uh, going on these lengthy tangents about a sort of idealized childhood. You know, so you get the sense that Oscar abused Terence uh, and then became a recluse afterwards. I think, I think this was discovered, um, and sort of died alone. And as some sort of penance willed his house to Terence. Terence has inexplicably moved into this house where he presumably was abused as a child by, you know, uh, previously owned by, by his abuser. Um, I don't know what his thoughts are there exactly, but, uh, uh, you know, he's moved back into this place and that seems to have begun a downward spiral for him where he was drinking and, uh, and, uh, and despondent. Um, we, we learn there's a sort of an uptick, like a, you know, there's a things, things seem to be getting better for almost everyone involved by the time the game sort of closes out. But it seems like this sort of dark story for both uh, dead
2: uncle Oscar and, you know, living, living on Terence. They, they also do, um, it was sort of like the evolution of what you learn, at least um, in my most recent playthrough. Uh, one of the first notes I found was uh, a friend of t- the way Terrence gets the job of reviewing the record players. Right? He gets a letter from a friend, and it's like, Hey, I know you're a big, famous, published author, um, but if you need some extra cash, here's a way to do it. So if you could. If you're interested here, you know, let them know that I sent you and you can get this job as reviewing record players. And it's a good way to make cash, even though you're a big famous published author. And then as the game progresses, you know, you can actually read that in like a different way, which would be the friend like knowing he needs money or something like that. And trying to still kind of boost the ego and and pitch this side job, not as a uh As what it really is, which is like, hey, I know you're not making any money and you need a job, but as a way to, like, supplement your income as a big famous author. I would like to just put a word
0: in here. Um, Sometimes I like to address our listeners directly. And if any of you have (laughs) work for me reviewing record players, I accept. You got to travel back in time to 1995, Shane. I'm
2: sorry to say. Yeah. The wire cutter might be hiring. You could go and check that out.
0: All I'm saying is mine's busted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is less of a job request and more of a plea to get a new record player. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all yeah. got any of
2: them working record players? Another thing that I recognized again while playing this game, and it was even more telling. So I, I, I thought back to when I was first playing it, as I kept thinking there were going to be ghosts in this game. Yep. I just kept thinking <laughs> and, and Laura, I'd love to hear your perspective because I kept thinking, all right, here's the part where the ghost comes in. And then it, <laughs> and then it, even in my second playthrough, where I knew there were no ghosts, I kept feeling maybe I just missed the ghosts and they're <laughs> gonna come out. And here, here comes the ghost. It's been a lot of time for them to update this game and patch in some ghosts. I mean... <laughs> there could be ghosts. So
1: yeah. it's definitely making you think that, right? Did
0: any of you guys pay for the ghost DLC?
1: I did not buy the ghost DLC. <laughs> yeah. uh, unfortunately, that'll be the next... Uh, that'll be the 400th episode. So I... Yeah. I knew this game was, you know, incredibly influential environmental storytelling, exploring a house, and I knew... The sister was a lesbian. Those are the two things I knew going in.
2: Um, <laughs> it's pretty big. Those are pretty big. I mean, points. those are
1: big points. But the second one, I, I I said earlier, I wish I didn't know that because knowing how critically acclaimed this game was, I was pretty sure that it was not going to be a success, as successful as it is, if it was a barrier-gaze stereotype. If I was running around and like this ended up being like ghosts of the dead sister. Like, I go find the sister dead. I go find a dead... I was like, pretty... The game definitely was like... And we're full on into spoiler territory, so sorry if I completely just wrecked everybody who thought this game was about discovering a dead body. But the game makes you think it is, because they put rain, they have weird sounds, it makes it super creepy. So you feel at any moment, you could hear someone coming into the house behind you, a murder Someone's gonna murder you like your sister's gonna pop out of the woodwork like you're gonna stumble upon a weird occult ritual they're they're definitely playing with that i wish i didn't know i wish i could have come in this blind earlier because i was not as taken in by the red herrings i actually thought the red herrings were a lot funnier there is a part where you come across a bathtub with like what looks like blood and then you see hair dye next to it which i thought that was the moment when i was like okay they can't do a suicide in this game this This game just told me it's not a suicide game. And later on, they tried to make me think it. And I was like, but you've already told me because you said, you told me that this was a joke. You told me to trust you. This was not a suicide game. So I'm going to go with you. But that's why I knew it was going to be creepy and unsettling. And I was supposed to feel anxious. But it told me to trust it. And that's why I, I was not worried about suicide at that point I was thinking ghosts I was thinking like I don't know I I felt like I was never going to encounter another person but like maybe there would be like a door shuts and like a weird light comes on and then there's like a new thing pointing like I thought the ghost might be guiding me through the house I didn't think I was going to ever see a person or even like a ghost person so I, I think that it's really interesting how that like my preconceptions of the game married with what it was telling me because it told me people don't matter in this game. The environment does. But I did think like maybe the light going off in this moment is the ghost. Like maybe I'm supposed to actually believe this ghost is here saving my sister or saving me or something like that. I thought it was going to be a little bit more yeah. um, handsy, I suppose. <laughs> like,
0: Yeah, I think especially the fact that there's like these – you find the the place where Sam and her girlfriend uh, were doing like a seance to, to release Uncle right. Oscar's soul yeah. or whatever. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, after that point, it's like, oh, definitely Uncle Oscar is going to be around here somewhere, right? But it's- Well,
1: I expected like to go back to an so. area where I might've been before and the lights were off again or something. Like I, I kept thinking that the game might yeah. be fucking with me a little bit. Mm-hmm. It didn't do that. Also, they had plausible deniability because of the storm.
2: That's another way in which this game is really smart. it It constantly makes you feel like there are ghosts or there's some bigger hand at play here, but there's never any actual evidence mm-hmm. to it. There's nothing that makes you say, "Oh, I bet a ghost did that." <laughs> you know it,
0: it's it, more in this tone like but the fact that you guys are so much caught on the idea that this might be a haunted house that's that's i feel so intentional oh, yeah. like th- this is For a sure. yeah. this is a game where you they really want you to be asking the question like is the house haunted up and to the by who end. because it creates an effective atmosphere right and that's like probably the whole reason that we we, we have any family history in the house because we want to know about people who might have died here you know
1: again, it, when I decided it wasn't about a lesbian suicide, they also left the door open for like any of these unhappy people could be, I could have found the old decayed body of Oscar in the crawl space. Like, it, it still left open the like scary dead body sense, even though I knew it wasn't yeah. going to be barrier gaze.
2: I do wonder how different this game had, would be if it was at like set at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon and it was like a sunny day and there's just like lights coming in through all of the you know, light coming in through all the windows instead of every room being dark, and there being thunder and lightning, and you have to turn on the lights, and it
1: being hey, a Nate. Whole this thing. isn't burn notice like it's a mystery in a haunted house. It's not a. It's not Florida, and I think that works. Which you're right, it would be completely different. Like it's it's not a mm-hmm. sassy mystery. It's
2: a. <laughs> I don't, I've I've never watched Burn Notice, no one's but ever now watched that Burn Notice. if you describe it as a sassy mystery, I guess I've been very much, very much not knowing what Burn Notice actually is. I just is. know
1: what it is from the like, what is Burn Notice SNL sketch, but it's, it's, it's at Miami. It's murder mysteries in Miami. It, okay. It's,
0: it's pretty sassy, yeah. I would say. That's, that's about accurate. I, I'll confess to having watched a fair amount of Burn Notice. <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> uh, this podcast is actually brought to you by Burn Notice, sponsored
1: by, by Burn are, Notice. Uh, yeah.
2: They are one half of our patrons. The entire cast of <laughs> burn notice is our patron.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Burn notice. Um, we talked a little bit about the uncle and father's stories. We haven't really talked about, uh, the story of the mother or of Sam herself. So the mom's story is probably the most, uh, I'd say minimal, I guess in the, uh, in the piece. Like it, she doesn't get quite as much detailed backstory because, she doesn't have a family history in this house. There's no... Yeah, big, but she's uh, growing this life outside the house. That's you know? true, yeah. So e- her story is that she is a... Uh, um, she's a, like a forestry agent of some kind. Uh Like, a, like a conservation... Yeah. yeah, she's like a conservation agent. And um, uh, she is seeming to be spending a lot of time at work you know uh, there's documents about her mapping out her commute to the forest where she has to go to work and it's really long so she's spending a lot of time away from home and she's been spending a lot of time with ranger rick who is every bit as hunky as that sounds
1: flannel forest ranger can i mm-hmm.
0: give you my head cannon yes. on this that when she's at work she goes by the name delia And she works with, uh, and Ranger Rick is also known as, uh, Henry and that they are the characters from Firewatch. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. Good headcanon. I like it. Um, but the, uh, the whole, her whole story is sort of an implying that she is cheating on her husband, but, um, that doesn't seem to actually bear out. Um, it seems like she was more thinking about it and then, and then doesn't.
1: Or it's all in her head because Rick is having a wedding. So
0: they—I mean Reagan—they did go to an Earth, Wind, and Fire concert together. I did find the tickets, and but, oh, but there's yeah, also the Earth, a letter from concert. her
1: friend who's like, "So you went to a concert together, and you said you had a good time, but nothing happened. Are you sure it's not in your head? <laughs> like he seems to be like his girlfriend a lot, um, and then the calendar said he was getting married. So I assume like it's all in her head. Yeah."
0: Seeing Earth, Wind, and Fire with another man is within the compass of my definition of cheating. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. He also lent her a Walt Whitman, uh book of Walt Whitman. I
1: mean, poems. that is a really sexy uh, book of poems, so.
2: It is, um, yeah. <laughs> this guy sounds obnoxious. Yeah. A little, yeah. I and
1: mean, her husband had like 20, uh, at least seven shot glasses that oh, were yeah. empty and unclean. So at least he should be washing his own socks his own shot glasses. Let's be real.
0: She's clearly f- thinking about or yearning for a sort of more perfect relationship. You know, her. her if you dig in her closet, there's a, uh, there's a, a great looking uh, fake romance novel with a, with a firefighter out in the woods with rippling abs. And you can really see that sort of like pointing out, you know, what she's, what she's looking for. She
1: likes woods and she likes abs. And,
0: and, and I, I don't think Terrence can provide either. He's, he's an indoor kid, uh, staying home writing weird fiction, um, you know, it, I, I can see where they're drifting
1: apart. Yeah, but he found a weird indie publisher, and they're going to go on a couple's retreat, and I think it's going to be okay.
0: I I really love how how these sort of story these stories sort of take that that final act where you unlock the last area of the house with the garden and the father's sort of like screened-in porch where he's doing some of his writing, and it uh, it sort of shows. How things are getting better for them, uh, which is funny because it seems like they've like their whole house is like filled with the detritus of their lives falling apart, and then in one tiny corner of the house they've got smidgens of evidence that things are on the mend. It's just very strange how they. I feel arranged, like they physically
1: it, moved out of the bummer areas of the house and were like, "We're gonna ride the garden now."
0: Yeah, it, it is sort of like that. They're, they're spending more time in the the kitchen that they're renovating and in the outdoor or semi-outdoor space. And, yeah, things are looking up. God, I wish my house was big enough to fucking move out of the depressing part and <laughs> the, like, nice new relationship part.
1: As I sit in my studio staring at my husband, he's sitting quietly on the bed watching Twitch. <laughs> you complain about Aww. your house. <laughs> Go cry me a river, Shane. <laughs>
0: Hi, Justin. Um, I, I love you. I, yeah, no, like I love the um, I love the the like space of the house. Like I, I wish I had uh, crawl spaces and and hidden rooms and hidden doors and everything. And man, can I can I stop for a second? Because my my house actually does kind of have those things like, <laughs> yeah, your house is weird, dude. There's a hidden hallway in my house. That is like a secret passage from one room to another. Um, And like if you go into the closet at the top of my staircase, you can you and you like get real thin and like edge yourself through a long closet that's maybe like 15 feet long. You can pop out uh, next to one of the upstairs bedrooms out of a different closet. It's uh, that's cool. Houses are. My, my house actually feels like it's badly, uh, ba- I was going to say bad game design, but it's actually just bad yep. architecture. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, have you found any, uh, have you found any environmental storytelling in there? <laughs> if I try and go through there uh, again, I might be the skeleton. That's back there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: this is a place where you're going to lose your child into that crawl space.
0: <laughs> Most likely. So I... I think we should talk a little bit about sort of the... I wanted to call her the main character. She's not the player character, but in many ways she is the main character. uh, Sam, uh, the the younger daughter of the two daughters. Um, And her story that's sort of revealed throughout this game. You can easily miss everything there is to know about Terrence, about the mom whose name is escaping me at the moment, about Uncle Oscar. You don't have to discover anything about any of them. If you're not looking, you know, the part of the game is that you are looking, so you probably will. Um, but, uh, but Sam's story is the central story of the game. And you're going to pick up a lot of detail about her, who she is and what has happened to her, which is sort of the central mystery of the game over the course of the game. Um, and her story is really pretty you know unique for games, or at least it felt like it in 2013. Um I think it pretty much holds up. Like I, I still really enjoyed her character and story. And even though some things about the sort of audio log nature of the, you know, you pick up a random uh binder in a closet and you get a, a like a, a three-minute monologue from the voice actress, uh maybe that felt a little outdated in some ways. It still really holds up for me. I think the, the the overall story of the game really holds up.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think even though I had all of these preconceived notions, like I, I felt safer than I think I should have playing this game, I don't think that took away from my experience. I think it's still a really lovely piece of work. I, uh, It's funny, uh, I was popping those tapes on all the decks and then like I didn't really like the music so I was popping it straight out. Um, Aw, I love it. <laughs> well, no, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. I liked some tapes better than others. Um, but it wasn't really fitting my mood. I liked the, I was in the cozy haunted house mood and the punk tapes just weren't doing it for me. Another day, maybe I'll be more into it. I liked the zine though. Yeah, one thing
0: to mention about this is the design. Um if i can just say a huge portion of the design of this game is influenced by the like 1990s uh riot girl style
1: i love the style i think it, it's funny i like the riot girl aesthetic more than i like the music <laughs> so i was really excited <laughs> by the tapes and i loved all the zines and I, I i think i they actually found an old comic that was like a women smashing patriarchy thing that i was in love with but i i would pop the tapes in listen for about a minute and a half and then pop them out so um to each their own i do think that the story holds up and it's still really fun to delve into these people's lives in this way i think it i was a little surprised by the secret passages and like the the really old school traditional house stuff. I, I think I've seen that in a lot of games. Like I mean, uh Edith Finch had like secret passages and stuff. I, I wasn't expecting that in this game because it has such a reputation for being down to earth and normal and realistic that I was really surprised when they had kind of um left field elements in this game. Like it's such a normal game thing. I didn't think it was gonna show up here. Because of its reputation. Yeah, it's that
0: Bioshock design sort of rearing its head here, you know, like you can't have like part of the part of the flow of the game is having a central hub. Um, You explore outwards into the space, you find your way back, but in a different along a different route and find yourself back in that hub again. And there's only so many ways to do that without secret doors or passageways that that, you know, you can only travel in one direction or, or what have you, like there's only so many tricks you can pull there. Yeah. I think some of the like secret spaces are kind of weird, like the, the, like, but you know, the game finds ways to make that sound seem reasonable. Like, you know, the uncle Oscar had, um you know, had secrets that he, you know, hid in the house. Um, there's, I think a couple places where it implies that the house was used as part of uh, like a, a, a booze operation during prohibition. Um, So there's some, like, uh, there's some in-game reason for there to be these very video gamey secret passages.
1: and it's such a small quibble. I mean, I I think I I really did like this game, and I I can see how influential it is and it, and it's still fun to play on its own it's not just like a, an archival piece I just wish that some of the secret door tendencies had been a little bit more elegant because I could see the seams I could see the gating and I wanted it to feel really immersive I didn't want to see the gating I wanted it all to be Disneyland fake where I don't know why I'm going in this direction it, it's a pretty minor quibble but it is it did take me out of it a bit yeah, it, it does
0: give you a map, and when you find like a thing indicating that there's a like a secret passage somewhere, like, hey, let's mark your map for you. So it is, it is a little uh, um, artificial in that way, but yeah, I don't think it detracts from the story. Um, it's just part of the weirdness of, like, these folks live in a weird house. This is a weird and it, house. It,
1: it's starting to figure out the language of how you do in a simulator like this, because, I, honestly, I use the map heavily, so I can't be too mad that there is a map. It's just something that Made it feel a little less exploration-y and more like a mission. Like it, it took away from "I am home on my break, trying to figure out what happened to my sister." If I'm like, "Oh, I'm going to go down the secret passage. Haven't been here yet. Probably yeah. the keys mm-hmm. there." Like that. That felt a little off.
2: So I do think that's interesting. Is you know, there there have been a variety of times where we've kind of like either made fun of or tried to poke little holes in uh, the the plot or like the the concept behind the game and Reagan has been very successful in, in identifying ways in which the game has at least tried to cover that so like when I was saying you come home and you just like start moving you know start exploring and start digging around like most people wouldn't do that but they had recently moved. So maybe this person would like go around the house. And in this case, why are these weird tunnels? Uh, oh, well it's an old prohibition home. So there, there could be these weird tunnels. And and I do think it's a testament to the writing and to the game designers that they, I do think they really tried to mask all of their gamey things that they had to do to make this, you know, a, a seamless experience and a, and a, a game, they tried to justify it. I think that, I don't know, maybe they could have done better, um, but I think they did a pretty good job of of giving a plausible explanation for just about everything that you might think while exploring this house.
1: Yeah, I, I, I felt, as I said, safe and guided, and I trusted the developers. I was in good hands. I just kind of... It, Given, I I also had an extreme level of hype for this game. So I was expecting like an insane level of polish for... And so this is a pretty minor quibble that seemed more important than it is. Just because I'd heard so many good things that anything that took me out, I was like, oh, (laughs) secret door, we're doing this. It's a pretty unfair criticism given when this was. They were adding so many new things that honestly, that probably felt the most normal to people playing the game back in the day, yeah. Yeah, in
0: 2013, it felt sort of astonishing just to have the amount of custom, uh, realistically depicted art assets in this game that it has. You know, like having um, every room be full of naturalistic looking props and have those props have textures that you can pick up and look at every side of them in relatively high detail, like that on its own, was very impressive in 2013. Um, you know, less so now because, like, you you, you, you m- m- today you could make a game like this by downloading a bunch of, like, soda cans and pizza boxes off of, like, the Unity asset store, right? But that I don't think existed in 2013, and if it did, I don't think they were using it. Like, this isn't a game populated with a bunch of uh, standardized assets. This is a really custom fully realized uh, house full of really detailed objects that all are sort of placed to tell a story in a very careful way. Yeah, it, it still stands up as impressive today, even though maybe the whole idea of like, let's do a game where the whole point is telling a story through environmental storytelling. Maybe that doesn't seem like as big of a revelation as it maybe did in 2013. It still stands up as a great example of that.
1: The only thing I have to add is that green apple soap is the devil and I don't know why it's in all the bathrooms.
2: Yeah, what green apple anything really I like. I like green apple as like a flavor for a candy, you know? If we're gonna do it for anything else, get it out. Yeah. I don't want my hands to smell like
1: Jolly Ranchers. Get that out of there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's like the what like hard candy is the one place for green apple.
0: Anywhere else? No, not even. Get it out. L- literally actual real fruit Keep is it. the one place for green apple.
1: And even and so, I it. prefer Honeycrisp because I'm basic. Well, of course.
2: <laughs> Honeycrisp Honey Crisp is the supreme apple. Although, have you had a Galaxy Crisp?
1: You're blowing my mind, Nate.
2: <laughs> Catch up. <Wow>. Catch up. <laughs>
1: At my local store, they're selling something called
0: jazz apples. And when I when I see those, <laughs> I, I think to myself, like, is that a Colorado thing? Does this mean there's weed in them?
2: Yes. Uh no, and yes. <laughs> no, it's not a Colorado thing. Yes, a hundred percent of Jazz apples have weed in them. Gala apples for life. Kim, Gross. What? Oh,
1: I feel like this is our natural is time to segue into what's making us what happy. What is this? Seventeen yeah, fifty-two. So <laughs> uh,
0: I want to. I want to sum up a little bit first. Like I. <laughs> oh wait, is any of that going in the show? <laughs> Just absolutely. Apple it
1: is. Uh Maybe me yelling absolutely about absolutely art. <laughs>
0: I'll put in a chapter marker for it. It's time for us to talk about apples. (laughs) So I want to sum up a little bit. Uh, This this game really does stand up. I'm glad we returned to talk about it again. Um, I think, you know, environmental storytelling in the years since 2013 has become a little bit of a meme. Like, first... It was just, you know, one part of the game design vocabulary, right? And then it became this venerated idea that like every game needs environmental storytelling. This is how you tell stories in games. And that's because probably of Gone Home, you know, this was so influential that people were trying to imitate it in in every way. And it became this sort of buzzword in game design discussion that became almost a little silly. And It's also one of those things where you can you can see this used badly. You know, if somebody wants very much to put environmental storytelling in their game, but they don't really give the kind of thought that this game gives to it, you can end up with just like, you know, here's a a skeleton sitting next to the five items that defined who they were as a person in life. Right. Like that's environmental storytelling. Here's a skeleton next to a set of dice, an empty bottle of booze and an empty wallet environmental storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this game reminded me that like environmental storytelling is not a joke or a meme. It can be done incredibly well. It can be a central part of like, it can, in in this case, be the central thing that this video game does and really carry that experience really well. Um, And, you know, it's good to be reminded of that. It's good to go back to this game that had such a massive influence and see, like, this is continuing to have a huge impact even today. Um, And so, yeah, I'm I'm glad we went back and talked about it. It is pretty wild. Just kind of try, if you will, dear listener, to imagine it's October um, and you've put your dollar down and you're going through a haunted house and at the end of it, you find yourself. What, what's this? Tears streaming down your face. That's this game.
2: <laughs> what, Shane, Shane? What? The house wasn't haunted. It, it was, was you. our. Your family. Yeah, we were the haunted. one. We our family haunted. was haunted. Its residents were haunted.
0: Could a haunted house make you cry?
2: The answer is yes. This game. Uh. Okay,
0: <laughs> thank you. Shane. The haunted house
1: was inside um, us all. My along. updated
0: take on Gone Home.
2: <laughs> uh huh.
0: Listeners, if you have thoughts on the legacy of Gone Home, uh, you know what this game has influenced over the years, or the influence that it has had over your uh your critical personal takes on video games, how how does this game look to you in you know six years into the rearview? Um, I'd love to hear about it. You could drop us a line on our website, or you can jump on our Discord and um. I I love talking about this game and its influence and I, you know, I still think it really holds up, but it's, it's still interesting in ways that are worth talking about. And speaking of interesting, uh, Nate, what's been making you happy this week?
2: A multitude of things. So the last I was on, uh, I was talking about baseball. It has gone well. Uh, uh, we're deep into the playoffs. Now today, the Cardinals, Won the uh NLDS and are going to NLCS, it's very exciting. Also, today was my uh four year wedding anniversary of uh, or the four year anniversary of my wedding uh with Molly, and you can see I spent it watching a baseball game and recording this (laughs) podcast with all of you. So, special thanks to Molly! (laughs) So, shout out uh to her that yes, uh, so. Um, those are the things that are making me happy. Well, what's making me happy this week is a real, real quick
0: one. I will say that over the last really couple of weeks, uh, my daughter who is nine months old has made some huge advancements in the mobility department and is just, just crawling all over my house. And it's, it's very frightful in ways, but it's also really sort of funny and exciting to watch it's just been a real joy to like see her like tear ass from one side of the house to the other in order to come to to get to the, the doorstop that has this, you know, the springy doorstops. She's fascinated with those right now. Every time she sees one, she will like dart out across the house and just flick it again and again and again and again and again until somebody stops her. Same. Um, yeah, it's. It's adorable. And that's easily what's making me the most happy this week. So um, I'm sure I could tell you about some video game I'm playing or or whatever else. Um, maybe, you know, playing more games for IF Comp is making me happy this week. I'm looking forward to talking about more of them next week. But really what's making me most happy this week is watching a baby crawl all the hell over my house. That's awesome. I I I'm I'm the beneficiary of many fine baby photos of this particular child. And listeners, I assure you, it is a cute one.
1: I think this will be the most wholesome uh, collective, what was making us happy this week. I'm also not doing media. I'm talking about putting lights on my balcony. I've got some outdoor string lights and a smart switch. And uh, I love yelling at Alexa to turn on my balcony lights when I come home. It looks like a little weird Pinterest Balcony of my dreams But it was really cheap um, I just hook, got little command hooks And I strung them up And they've already been through two rainstorms And honestly it's so much nicer To look out the window and see Warm glow Than see like night sky A uh, 16-floor drop, and then the top of the Empire State Building, very far away, blocked by another building. <laughs> this just gives me something to look out the window at, and it's really lovely.
0: Is your balcony big enough to go out and sit on, or?
1: Oh, our balcony is like a-, a fifth of the size of our apartment. It's inexplicably large. Um, we have uh, our third-floor neighbor gave us some Adirondack chairs, um because they're moving out and so we hauled them upstairs we've got two big kind of lounge chairs a little table um it's quite nice uh if you're sitting if you're standing over the edge I think you feel like you're gonna fall I still I need to get used to some you know anxiety of being on the porch but on the whole it's a really pleasant place and now that the temperature has dropped um I've had coffee out there several times it's it's quite charming
0: I love that that's so great Shane what's making you happy this week uh, well, uh, clued in listeners might have noticed that I've I've missed some episodes lately, and it's because I've been doing a lot of travel this month. I'm actually traveling. Well, I've I've you've caught me in between my trip to Bulgaria and my trip to Paris, and later this month I'll be going also to Bangalore, India. So I'm on the road a lot. Um, but this is my third trip to. Um, to uh, Sofia, Bulgaria, and the thing that I've found that I absolutely love from Sofia is their sheep's cheese. They have this kind of sheep's cheese that is used as a part of a salad. They call the Shopska salad that is the like a which means shepherd's salad, and that is a. Um, it is the national dish, I'm told, by a Bulgarian. It is the thing that they... And it, it is something they they have three meals a day uh, <laughs> in uh, in Bulgaria. And the key ingredient, apart from tomatoes and cucumbers, is this delicious, salty sheep's cheese. I love feta cheese, but if you can imagine feta, but in a large block and like... Uh, wet, I guess. <laughs> I, do, I am not I'm not a a, 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 a a describer of cheeses. I do not have a cheese podcast. but my first trip, I discovered the cheese. My second trip, I tried and failed to bring the cheese home with me. And now here on my third visit to Bulgaria, I have successfully brought home a large block of Bulgarian sheep's cheese. Uh, and that is what's ha- making me happy this week is all my delicious cheese.
1: Yum. That is lovely.
0: <laughs> I That's making me yes. happy. Yes. It's making yeah. me hungry. Um, so and listeners, you have been making us very happy uh, for 200 episodes now, plus some some addenda and other stuff. Um, we've really been thankful to have the support from our listeners that we've had. Um, we've really enjoyed, uh, every interaction we've had with you. You know, if you, uh, have, you know, please, please continue. If you have games that you think we ought to be covering, if you, uh, if you just want to tell us what you think of the show, et cetera, et cetera, just, uh, reach out. We're on Twitter at underscore short game, or you can go to our website, www.theshortgame.net. We have a contact form there, or you can email us info at the uh, Several easy ways to get in touch with us.
1: Yes. And if you'd like um, to give us a birthday gift, you can give us a review.
0: Hey. Yeah. Our show uh, is on iTunes and all, well, it's not iTunes anymore. Apple podcasts and all of the other podcast platforms. If your podcast platform of choice offers the option to leave reviews, please do that thing. It makes a big difference, especially uh, on Apple podcasts. It is the big one. And I'm told those reviews make a lot of difference. And we read every single one and uh, appreciate them very much. Um, We also appreciate our patrons on Patreon. Uh, You can go to patreon.com slash the short game or click the the Patreon link at the top of our homepage. All of our patrons at a dollar a month or more, which is all of our patrons, because that's what Patreon lets you do, uh, we'll get an invite to our Discord, and that has been for me the most exciting part of doing the show lately. Chatting with our listeners and uh, planning episodes and getting feedback in advance and hearing from you guys about what you're playing and uh, we really, really enjoy that. So if you like the show, um, please join us there. Uh, and, uh, you know, people say less than the price of a cup of coffee. Come on. $1 a month is less than the price of like one tenth of a cup of coffee. So we really appreciate it. Um, if you, uh, want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Reagan K that's R A Y G A N K. Laura, where can people find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash.
2: Uh, Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And Shane, where can people find you?
0: I'm on Twitter at 8BitShane. And thank you for listening to this 200th episode of The Short Game. May there be 200 more, and potentially even more than
2: that. At least. (laughs) Episode 400, Gone Home Again.